Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, you know it's Taz and Moose. You know it's Taz and Moose. Hey. Uh, it is Taz and the Moose with you here on this Wednesday morning. Andrew Bogish filling in for the vacationing. Taz, Mark Malusis is always alongside with you. You've got, uh, uh, we've had a tremendous first couple hours of the program. Third and final hour, we kick it off in style as uh, Steve Tasker is going to join us. Former Bills All-Pro uh, joins us now. Talk a little Bills football as training camps and preseason games are upon us. And hey, Steve, Mark Malusis, Andrew Bokish, thanks for a couple minutes this morning. We certainly appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. Enjoyed it. Yeah, you got it, Steve. Um, you know, the you know anticipation here, you know, I guess when you think about the, the Bills, number one is you think about the quarterback, right? And, you know, and, and, and Allen and, and how he's going to develop in year two. Realistic expectations of what you want to see from the young signal caller year two under center for the Bills. Well, the, there's a big thought process up here in Buffalo, and the guys who have watched him that in his last year at Wyoming, he was, he was completing you know 53 percent of his passes. He didn't have a real stellar roster around him. Uh, didn't have too many guys that could win, and then he just threw the offense on his back and carried it around all season there in Wyoming. And he did a lot of that in the 10, 11 games he played with the Buffalo Bills. He didn't have anybody who was winning on the outside. His offensive line was an absolute mess last year, and he played the exact same way uh, in his first year in Buffalo that he did in his last year at Wyoming. And his statistics kind of bore that out. Same completion percentage, same uh, kind of idea. He led the team in rushing. Um, the, the thought process in Buffalo and, and for what they're looking for from him uh, in the coming months uh, in this next season is this. They've upgraded uh, everybody around him. The offensive line is is absolutely completely revamped. They'll have four brand-new starters on the offensive line, and all of those guys are going to be a complete upgrade from what they had a year ago. Also on the outside with John Brown coming over from Baltimore uh, and Cole Beasley, the slot receiver from uh, Dallas, uh, they really feel like they've upgraded the, uh, the wide receiver talent around him. And in training camp, they've started to ask Josh, and the big push was to make have him make different decisions, better decisions. Um, he doesn't have to drop back, throw the deep ball, or just cut and run uh, at every turn. The ball's coming out on time. Um, uh, he's making better decisions. He's got guys who are winning underneath, and he's and that really – has been the focus of the offense and where they think you're going to see a much different Josh Allen this year. He's going to make better decisions and have more options to throw someplace other than down the field all day. Steve, specifically with, with Allen's accuracy, and I guess there's different schools of thoughts on this. I'm wondering where, where you are on that. Can you learn to be more accurate, or is it almost like an innate skill that you have or you don't have? Yeah, I think, yeah, you can, I, although, you know, Results on that are, like you said, it's a big debate. A couple of guys have done it. Um, you know, you look at uh, Stafford in Detroit. He's a little more accurate in the NFL than he was in the college days. Even Matt Ryan is a little bit more accurate than he was in his college days. Certainly Josh Allen, all those guys, they work at it very hard. 
Um, I think one of the things that Josh Allen that hurt him and what the thought process is against the guys who are on his side is that, you know, he, you know, you talk to some of the guys who watch his film, he has forever tried to make the impossible throws. Uh, he's always tried to hit, and even in the offense he ran in Wyoming, his outlet was a was a wide side 12-yard out to the far side of the field. That was his outlet pass. So he never really got the easy throws. And even this last year, uh, his offensive line was such a mess, he never got a chance to go to his secondary receivers. He had nobody to throw to uh, who was winning for him on the backside in his outlet. Um, so the thought process is uh, he's accurate enough already that the problem has been that he's always thought he has had to make the impossible throw. He's tried to win on every play. And they're trying to get him to dial back his competitive nature a little bit and just say, hey, take it. Um, he certainly makes good throws in practice. When he does take the easy throws, he completes them when he should. He, he puts the ball on the receiver out in front or on the numbers. Uh, he seems to be completely accurate enough. Um, hard, it's easier to be accurate when you're throwing the ball 10 yards or 12 yards in the air rather than 25 yards in the air on a deep out down the sideline. So uh, that's the thought process, and it seems to be working early in camp, although – you know, sometimes when you're playing against your own guys, things look a little differently than they will in the preseason and regular season. You know, Steve, how much can he lean on? You know, Father Time is not cut off to the, the top two running backs up in Buffalo. How much can Allen lead on the the duo of McCoy and Gore? Well, it remains to be seen. Uh, they did draft Devin Singletary out of Florida Atlantic. He's a, a, a guy who seems to have the same skill set as LaShawn McCoy. I mean, he's, you know, he's got a long way to go before he's a LaShawn McCoy. But uh, McCoy... The thought in, in the Buffalo uh, locker room in this organization is that McCoy's got a lot left in the tank. There were flashes of his old self last year, but too many times uh, Josh Allen or whoever the quarterback was a year ago would hand him the ball, and he almost didn't get the ball before he was avoiding people. It happened all too often. Their running game was absolutely non-existent. Josh Allen led the team, as I said, in rushing, and and it it was a, a huge, huge anchor around the neck of this offense. They led the league in three and outs because they had zero run game to speak of, and LaShawn McCoy paid the price for it. Um, he didn't get very many touches last year because it was just ridiculous to put him in a game where there was just no room to run. And So with the revamped offensive line and a little bit more help for him, uh, certainly there should be some more space. But they have a lot of faith in LaShawn. He's shown in practice he's still got a burst. He's obviously still got the vision uh, that he has always had, and he seems to have uh, the quick first step and the ability to get open, certainly in the passing game. So they've got a lot of faith in, in LaShawn. Frank Gore has been a great addition in leadership, and his toughness has added something to that room, too. But you're right. There's a big question mark about, I mean, these guys set an NFL record when they signed Frank Gore. They've got the two oldest running backs together in the backfield in NFL history. Um, so, yeah, that's a question mark. But early signs are these guys still have a little something left in the tank, and uh, and whatever they don't have, Devin Singletary will be asked to provide. Steve, where is where is Zay Jones right now? Obviously, he's got the size, he's got the skill. Is he ready to be a real number one wide receiver that that Josh Allen can lean on? Uh, I would say no. Uh, I got to say no. I don't think they're counting on Zay Jones to be a number one wide receiver. The early returns and the big surprise of this training camp has been John Brown, the guy they brought over from. Uh, Baltimore. They they knew he was a speeder, and they thought, well, here comes a guy. We'll just send him to take the lid off the defense and hit Cole Beasley or Zay Jones underneath. The big surprise in training camp 
And this has been against the Bills secondary, which is really stacked with outstanding corners and safeties. they got a ton of guys in their secondary that can really go. And John Brown has turned them in circles. Uh, he has been getting open all day, every day in training camp. It's been an enormous surprise. I wouldn't be, and I'm, I'm telling you right now, John Brown is going to be the number one option for this offense. Um, he's shown great speed, extremely smooth in his routes, and I think if you're looking for a guy that's going to be a difference maker, uh, a surprising guy for this offense, it's going to be John Brown, not say Jones. You know, Steve, when you look at that defense, um, you know, opposite Trey White, is that the is that the biggest glaring hole on this defense? Is the uh, the opposite corner? Yeah, I think so. I, Kevin Johnson is a former first-round draft pick for the Houston Texans. Had trouble staying healthy there. He he showed up. Uh, they also have Levi Wallace, who came in and played really well opposite Trey White last year. They've got Taron Johnson as a slot corner. Uh, EJ Gaines is back in the fold after a year um, it, with uh, Cleveland Browns. They've got a lot of guys they really like at the opposite corner. Uh, they're very deep over there. Kevin Johnson is the kind of guy, he's a big corner, rangy corner. Uh, his you know, question mark was his health in Houston because he's got all the ability. He's plugged in there now and has stayed healthy and stayed on the field. Uh, and and uh, Levi Wallace has also done the exact same thing. Those guys are really going hard at it. Taron Johnson, who played hard last year in the slot, really went through a tough shoulder injury. They really feel good about their secondary. They've got a lot of guys they think they can really play. Uh, aside from Tredavious White, their safeties are, you know, with Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer, their secondary really they feel, I think, is the strength of their defense, and they think their defense is going to be really, really good. Steve, I remember Brandon Bean kind of downplaying Ed Oliver as camp was approaching, saying, you know, it's a big jump from the AAC to the NFL. Like, he's got room to grow. He needs some time. But now, all of a sudden, it sounds like he's been great for the last two-plus weeks. So is he kind of exceeding the early expectations here? Well, when the pads came on, he was okay during the early part of camp. He was, you know, when the guys didn't have pads on, they were stepping through things and kind of going half speed. He looked okay, just okay. When the pads went on, um, he became a different guy. Uh, his quickness and explosion, uh, he could use it. Uh, you can't really out-quick a guy when everybody's going half speed, you know, uh, and when there's no pads. Now when the pads went on, he is really elevated. And uh, it, it's been a little bit of an Ed Oliver explosion on the D-line. He went from the number – he was taking second-team reps and sprinkling in on the first – uh, that flip-flopped really quickly when the pads went on. Uh, he's a number one defensive tackle. He's a handful uh, at the snap and in, down on the three technique. He's He's been everything as advertised. Uh, they had a little bit of a an open practice like teams do in the stadium where fans were allowed to come in. There's thousands and thousands of people there. And, of course, he did pretty well in the in the uh, pass rush portion of the, of the practice, no question. But the thing that surprised a lot of people was when the ball went away from him or came to his side, there was nowhere to run. He was running it down to the sideline. He was running it down to both sidelines. He was moving laterally unbelievably fast. Uh, so, yeah, Ed Oliver has exploded onto the scene, and it happened when the pads went on. He's, uh, he's all, of, all of everything that they advertised him to be and probably a little bit more. Steve, that jump from you know no pads to pads is that a is that a good thing a bad thing? Does that mean anything about the kind of player at Oliver is? What how do you what do you attribute to that jump in production once the the pads went on? Well, here's the thing he's a he's an he's an undersized defensive tackle. There's no way around it. He's two ninety two eighty five two ninety, but he's only six one. 
Uh, he's a little bit like uh, uh, Randall, uh, John Randall of the Vikings used to be. A little bit undersized, but excuse, hugely explosive. And when they're running through without pads, you know, nobody can really hit uh, and use their physicality, lean on guys. And when uh, so he was okay in that part of, of training camp. But when you're going to out quick a guy, you can't be worried about not hitting him. You can't be worried about brushing up against him. You can't be worried about that. And when the pads went on and they didn't have any of that. Uh, those considerations, Ed Oliver was going 100, and, 100 miles an hour, and he was slipping through some uh, the gaps in the offensive line. They, those guys were really having trouble catching his first step, and uh, that was a big difference, and that's, that's really the reason. His strength is explosion. At the, he's got an enormously quick first step, and you can't really use that until the pads go on, but once they did, um, he used it to the best advantage. The guy's really, really going to be a good pro. Steve, what do you um, you know? What are the realistic expectations for this team um, going into 2019? You know, obviously the development of Allen. You mentioned the defense is expected to be uh, the strength of the team. Revamped offensive line. What do you think the potentially if if everything goes right, what can the Bills be this season? Well, if everything goes right, you know, you, know, you got to take the over. Uh, they're going to win some games. Uh, their defense is going to be very salty. Um, they're going to be really, really good. Uh, if they're a team that can turn out turnovers like they did two years ago when they made that playoff run, it, that's really going to give a margin of error to an offense that's really got a lot of new faces. Uh, certainly, Josh Allen's going to be a different type of player. They expect him to be a different type of player. He's going to he's going to be a guy who um, has, is going to make some strides. In the, in the 11 games we saw Josh Allen play, mostly like the six or seven, eight last eight games of last season, there were times when he had to put the Superman cape on and and just run around like he did in college. He just put the team on his back and carried them offensively. Um, he's not going to have to do that this year, theoretically. He's going to be able to get the ball out of his hands. He's going to have some options. The running game will be there, uh, at least uh, like a normal above-average running game instead of a non-existent running game. That'll change things for defenses that they face. Uh, and I, I think if, if everything goes right for this team, if they stay healthy, if Josh Allen progresses as fast as he did in the last eight games of last year, yeah, they're going to contend. They're going to be in the playoffs, and they're going to be a tough out, no question about it. That's a, you know, it's a lot of positive things to go right, no question, but it's out there for them to take if they can. I think more realistically, uh, they're going to be a team that's going to be very hard to beat. Uh, they'll probably get the ball to bounce their way a couple of times. It'll bounce against them a few times. They're going to be an 8-9 uh, ten win team right in there. Uh, I don't. I do think this is the team that would be really sh- sharply disappointed if they don't win as many games as they lose. Um, they were two bounces of the ball away last year from being eight and eight instead of six and ten. That's how close they were last year with Allen uh, playing the way he did with no offensive line, with no running game. So they have every reason to be more optimistic this year. Steve, Mark, and I. Don't know what we're talking about. We're just two radio guys. But we were discussing last hour uh, this little Aaron Rodgers, Matt LaFleur back and forth yesterday about the importance of joint practices. Uh, I'm assuming you've been through a couple. Uh, what Did you think they were helpful for you in training camp to see somebody else? Yeah, I liked them. Uh, I think it's, you know, certainly there are guys on your roster like, you know, Aaron Rodgers is a different cat. You know, I don't, I don't know how much he needs it or if he likes it, uh, but – for the coaching staff, looking at young players, players who have been starting to get a little bit used to themselves, you know, guys first year in the in the system or first year players in the league, 
it's really good to throw them out there against somebody they've never seen before, see how they if they can sink or swim. Do, do they rise to the challenge? A lot of it is a little bit of that culture stuff that you find out about. You know, you like to see your guys scuffle it up, not back down from a guy they don't know. Uh, you know, you tend to see a lot of brother-in-laws in training camp when you don't see other guys. You know, with your own team, you get to treat it. You're starting to treat the guy that you you know have dinner with a little differently on the practice field, right? Uh, but when there's a guy who's got a different helmet on, you know, there's there's no there's no consideration there about uh, about him. So you're going to try and compete hard. I think it shows a little something about your team, about your culture, how you're developing, particularly in the guys who are new to your team. You know, Aaron Rodgers and, and some of the veterans on that team, Bakhtiari, you know, those guys, you know, they've, they've been around the block. Yeah. You know, so they don't really need to, to show what they, you know, they're not really going to be afraid of the Chicago Bears when they line up. Steve, do you, do you uh, you know, stay in that AFC East? You know, does Allen use, uh, you know, uh, you know, Darnold as a little bit of motive? I, you know, obviously there's Brady there at 42 years of age, you know, arguably the greatest quarterback the sport's ever seen. But, you know, is there a little competition between Allen and Darnold being part of the same draft class? Yeah, I think there is. There's, those guys are pretty close. They're buddies, too. I mean, they kind of train a little bit together in the offseason. They shared Jordan Palmer out in California. They'll both go. Jordan Palmer for some coaching and for some technique. Uh, they're different kinds of quarterback, no question. Uh, but they're 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 pretty good friends, uh, and I think that kind of plays really well here in, in the Buffalo market because you know people here in Buffalo remember Dan Marino and Jim Kelly going at it for you know eleven and a half, twelve years, a whole decade. Those two went at it pretty hard, uh, and I think fans really relish those rivalries and these young two young guys coming into the league at the same time being the faces of their franchise i think both these franchises are going to love having these guys compete against each other for a decade decade and a half and i think we can all look forward to it uh, they're both i think they're both high hopes for both these guys i know we i, I like sam darnold i think he's going to be a really good quarterback uh i think josh allen is has got a lot more physical gifts he's a really sharp kid i think uh his intelligence is going to be the thing that is a wild card in his development. He's highly intelligent. He learns things really quickly. He continues to get better, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how far Josh Allen can take his potential. Um, and that, you know, yeah, so I, I think there is a great sense uh, between Josh and Sam. They want to compete against each other. They want to have the one-upmanship on each other. I think there's a there's a quiet personal relationship there that each one of them, uh, you know, wants to best the other one. I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch Sam Darnold and Josh Allen in, in the AFC East for a long time. And, Steve, uh, you know, we'll close out here, stay in the AFC East. I mentioned Brady. you got to marvel, you know, at, at his age. And I know it's the quarterback position, but still, uh, to play that position, to be in the shape, redefining his body as well, it, it's it's absolutely ridiculous uh, of what Brady's been able to do and how he's been how long he's been able to do it for. Well, you know, everybody in the AFC East is not a Patriot fan hates the guy, right? I mean, <laughs> the guy is just unbelievable. And and I'll tell you this: I've seen, you know, we've seen great players over the generations of football. Um, and and I'll tell you what I've noticed about him: I played with a bunch of them, and I played against a bunch of them, and I've covered all of those guys in the last twenty twenty one years as well. They're a little different, all of them. Their their mental makeup is a little bit different. You got Frank Gore in Buffalo, who's a running back at thirty six. Um, they're put together differently, and some facet of their personality keeps a screw tightened that should have been loosened a long ago by Father Time, and it doesn't. It just doesn't go loose. 
in some aspects, you can laugh and say they're a little bit certifiable. Uh, Tom Brady, a week after he wins the Super Bowl and is an MVP, is out doing push-ups and exercises back lawn. They're working out. I mean, who does that? Well, you know, the GOAT does, you know. Um, and he is. He's the best quarterback to ever take a snap. He's more production, more Super Bowls, and certainly he's done some things even with his contract. Uh, he's never been the highest-paid guy at his position. Uh, he does that so he can have the weapons around him, and he's part of a team. He knows that. The guy's a different cat, uh, and it and it permeates every aspect of his game, every aspect of his career, yeah. every aspect of his family, every ac- aspect of his contract, of his future, and of his legacy. You got to tip your hat to him. He's done it better, longer than anybody else, and it's not even close. Um, certainly, the conversation now starts with him about who the best quarterback in the league history has ever been. He's the first name on the list. You can throw other guys at him who are more clutch. Well, they weren't more productive. You can throw guys that had better arms. Well, they didn't win more. You know, who was a better competitor? I don't know. You know, maybe that's him. Um, but certainly this era of Tom Brady in the National Football League, we've been lucky to witness it. We've A lot of us here in the AFC East have been a victim of it a lot of times. But, man, oh, man, when you talk about maybe the greatest quarterback or maybe the greatest football player of all time, Tom Brady's on the list, and we're still watching him at the age of 42. Hey, Steve, we appreciate the time this morning, um, and we're looking forward to watching the Bills this fall. We appreciate it. Uh, have yourself a good Wednesday, and, and thanks for the time. Guys, thanks so much. You enjoyed it. You got it. Thanks, Steve Tasker, Steve. Uh, Bills All-Pro, giving me a great feel. And he's uh, having you know, good expectations. If everything goes well, uh, you know he, he'll take the over. Uh, but even if everything doesn't go well, Bills are going to be a difficult team to beat on a week-in, week-out basis. Great defense. Allen development has got better guys around him. Rebuilt offensive line, four new starters. Tasker gave you a good feel there. And obviously a great atmosphere too, right? I mean, you want oh. we need important games in Buffalo in the winter in December. No question about it. Coming up straight ahead, Bogus has got another update. What do you need to know here on this Wednesday morning? And then Rich Lerner from the Golf Channel will join Andrew and myself. We'll talk a little FedEx Cup. That comes your way next. Taz Boost, CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. It's Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. It's Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. Taz and the Moose with you here on this Wednesday morning. Mark Malus is Andrew Bogish filling in for the vacationing task. Rich Lerner, Golf Channel. We're going to talk a little FedEx Cup, uh, which gets going um, starting tomorrow over in Jersey City. Pro-Am today. Tiger Woods is participating in the Pro-Am over at uh, Liberty National Park, I believe it is. Um, so um, over in Jersey City, just across the river from where Bogish and I are sitting here on this Wednesday morning. So Lerner will talk, join us here momentarily. Bogish, what do you need to know here on this Wednesday? It's all in this update sponsored by Geico. Great news, there's a quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. The Chicago Cubs are only good at home these days. Just not last night against the A's. Here's John's 1-1 pitch. The high set, the turn, and Garneau hits it deep down the left field line. If it's fair, it's got a chance, and it is gone! And Dustin Garneau unloads with a three-run home run down the left field line. 
all of a sudden the A's take a 4-0 lead. That's Ken Korach on A's radio. Stephen Piscotty also clubbed a three-run shot off John Lester. He allowed 11 runs, 10 earned over four, matching the worst start of his career. The A's winning 11-4. They stay a half game behind the Rays for the second AL wild card. Arizona down Philly 8-4. The Cardinals fell at Dodger Stadium 3-1. The Brewers 4, the Pirates 3. And the Mets extended their win streak to 5, 5 nothing over the Marlins. On AL grass, the Astros rescued Zach Greinke's debut 11-6 over the Rockies. Greinke allowed five runs on seven hits over six. Atlanta, a 12-7 win in Minnesota. Padres righty, Danielson Lamette, no hit the Mariners for six and a third. San Diego eventually won 9-4. Same final, the Yankees over the Orioles. The Bombers have won 14 in a row in Baltimore and have hit 38 homers there this season after six last night. Seattle's Tim Beckham suspended 80 games for PEDs. He says a trusted source gave him a supplement that ended up being tainted with Stanozolol. And as we discussed earlier in the show, Pro Football Talk says Antonio Brown's foot issues are not blisters. It is peeling skin from frostbite from not wearing the proper footwear while undergoing cryogenic therapy. Back to you, Moose. Oh, there you go. Just when you think you've heard it all. Uh, the uh, FedEx Cup, uh, Northern Trust, the kickoff of the FedEx Cup playoffs, Liberty National Golf Club in Jersey City, Thursday through Sunday, Golf Channel's Rich Lerner will be hosting uh, the live tournament coverage alongside Nick Faldo, and he joins us now. I haven't spoken with Rich in quite some time. Hey, Rich, uh, Mark Malus is Andrew Bogus with you. Thanks for a couple minutes this morning. Moose, good to be back with you, Andrew. Nice to be on. Yeah. Same here, Rich. You know, Rich, uh, let's start here. You know, the, the FedEx Cup, I mean, you, you like the new calendar year for golf, uh, what they instituted this year, moving the PGA to May? I think it's pretty good. It's condensed. It's intense. It comes at you fast and furiously. Uh, I think there's been some pushback from the players that the majors are stacked one on top of another, and it doesn't give them time to prep. I think just you know, so your viewers understand why they did this. Uh, previously, the FedEx Cup playoffs came after the last major championship, which used to be the PGA. That was recently contested in uh, May at Bethpage Black on Long Island. That used to be in August. They moved it to May. Why did they move it? Because the PGA Tour, which does not own any of the most valuable entities in the game, that would be the four majors and the Ryder Cup. They don't own those. Uh, the PGA Tour wanted their crown jewel, which is, would be these FedEx Cup playoffs. And FedEx invested like $600 million. All right? You take care of your number one umbrella sponsor. Yeah. Those, those playoffs were previously in September. What's wrong with September? Well, you get killed by football. Uh, college football, pro football, and your ratings take a hit. And so if this is your most significant property, these playoffs, your Super Bowl, you want more eyeballs on it, and you want it free and clear of competition from other sports. So with all the powers that be in the game of golf, they agreed uh, to reshuffle the calendar and give the FedEx Cup playoffs its own month, which is the month of August. So now what you have is you have the Players' Championship in March. That is, by the way, a PGA Tour property. Then you have the Masters. Now the PGA Championship in May, the U.S. Open in June, the British Open or the Open in July, and the FedEx Cup playoffs in August. 
Rich, I know that um, you know there's obviously events after the FedEx Cup playoffs here all the way through the fall and then mm-hmm. close to the winter, but is there any concern that with everything ending sooner that that kind of quote-unquote like off-season is going to feel too long for golf fans? Um, that's a good question. I, look, you know, I'm, they're going to have 49 events next year uh, on the calendar. That's almost every week. I always say if the sun is up, somewhere on planet earth someone's trying to shoot 65 and get paid for it (laughs) and they're probably and there are probably a thousand guys right now around the globe that can shoot 65 on a given day it is really competitive now it's intense um look uh, someone's going to play golf somewhere the pga tour figures it might as well be under our banner we we might as well own it uh is there Burnout, I think, yes, but players are independent contractors, so they can pick and choose their schedule, and most guys are playing. Most top players are are probably competing 22, 24 weeks. That's not a ton, Uh, though though a lot of the important events, as I said, are in a concentrated period of time that does get tiring. Um, Is is it oversaturated? Maybe, but what isn't, Uh, right? I mean, you uh, you know, basketball has a short off season now. Football probably has has the best model because less is more. They they keep you wanting, right? With just 16 regular season weeks, they they keep you hungry. Uh, but that's a different game, as we all know. I mean, they you know they they, they can't play 162 in that sport the way they do in baseball. Um, they can't play the way they do in golf. So, it, it it at a certain point, it probably becomes a niche sport in in October, November. They're, but they're good events, and they're um, great venues and, and beautiful locations. And if you love golf, you find it and you watch it. If you're only marginally interested, maybe you're only maybe you're only tuning in uh, for the four majors, the Ryder Cup, and a few other select events. If, as is the case this week, if say Tiger's playing. Uh, you know, Rich, with the revamp schedule, and for those that might get locked in now to the FedEx Cup that didn't get locked into it last year, yeah. with it being with football season, you know, well underway, mm-hmm. pro and you know, college football. Uh, give our give our listener a little bit of a feel about how these playoffs are going to work uh, for the FedEx Cup. All right, so uh, it's three events, uh, major markets: New York. Next week, Chicago, and they finish up with the Tour Championship in Atlanta. So uh, three events. They start with 125 players who qualified uh, through the regular season, 43 regular season events, and and 125 make it. Uh, At the end of this week, 70 will move on to Chicago. So what is that? 55 will be eliminated. Um, And then the final uh, event will have 30 players. So just 30 make it to East Lake. There will be a $15 million prize, bonus prize, to the winner of the FedEx Cup. Uh, that's up from $10 million. Uh, the total bonus pool and second place will get $5 million. Uh, the total bonus pool is $60 million. That's up from $35 million. FedEx made a significant investment in this sport, in, in this league. Um, it's meaningful. Look. It, it doesn't have the 100-year history of a major championship. Uh, it is not how players are judged historically. Uh, however, these these are professionals. They they play to get paid, and 15 million first prize has their attention. I promise you that. So you have exclusive fields uh, and and a huge prize. Uh, so I think it'll be exciting. Tigers playing. I mean, all the best players. 
Yeah. Tiger, Rory, Kepka, and by the way, when I say all the best players, there's no doubt now who the best player is, and that's Brooks Kepka. He knows it, and they know it. Well, and I wanted to ask you about him, Rich, because I'm I'm fascinated by his honesty and his kind of game plan for the year. Saying, you know, I I barely practice for regular tournaments. Everything is geared towards the majors, and and then, and then most guys are like that to a certain extent. But to the extreme that he goes now. Are there going to be copycats, or do guys know that he's his own thing and like it's not even worth trying to do it the way that he does it? Well, I mean, copycats, uh, yeah, I mean, from, from the standpoint, you'd like to be that big and that strong and, and, and that mentally tough. Yeah, I mean, everybody's after that. Everybody wants to copy that model. Um, I, I don't know. You know he's he's a, a rare, great athlete. And I, I think you have to concede at this point, given what he's done in the last two years. He's one of the best athletes currently in any sport anywhere in the world. Uh, what, what he's done is, is prolific. I mean, he, you know, uh, this is a two-and-a-half-year run, and he has left no doubt that this is not the McElroy era or the Dustin Johnson era or the Jordan Spieth era. This is the Brooks Kepka era. And he proved at Memphis – you know, that he can beat you with the putter and not just the sledgehammer. Uh, he diminished Rory McIlroy in that final round. You know who he reminds me of? Who's that? You know, with, 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 is Kawhi Leonard. Uh, he, he's very stoic on the golf course. The, the, the fist pumps are measured. The outward displays of emotion are rare. He's all business, uh, and, and business is booming. Does, 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 he, he speaks loudly uh, with his performance. You know, I think if you thought, say, that Brooks caught lightning in a bottle with his, his two majors in 2018, you know, I mean, he backed it up. He, it, no, it wasn't he just lightning. It was, it was lightning and thunder. I mean, he's, you know, he, he first two runner-ups and a fourth at the majors this year. And then there was this sort of lingering question, oh, can he do it outside of the majors? Is he the guy that only gets keyed up for uh, the biggest events? Well, he obliterated that, that idea with his win a couple of weeks ago at the WGC in Memphis. Um, I, I'll give you a quick story. Uh, with, I, I did a feature on Kepka earlier this year, and so I spent uh, you know, a good half a day with, with Kepka down in South Florida in late February. Uh, we, we went to the gym. I didn't work out. He did. Smart move. Yeah. You, you, you can't. I mean, he is an animal. I mean, he really, I, I, got, I don't know how baseball players are training. I haven't really seen football players train. Um, but he was, he was full on. I mean, there, he, there's, there's a, a bit that's kind of become the stuff of legend. Before the final round of the U.S. Open in 2018 at Shinnecock Hills out on uh, the end of Long Island, Last year, uh, he has a you know all morning and into the early afternoon until he tees off. So he has a lot of time on his hands, and he doesn't like to sit around. So he went to the gym with some buddies to work out. This is before what arguably arguably would be one of the most important rounds of, of his career. And a friend of his challenges him to bench press two twenty five fifteen times, and he says sure. And he, he gets 14 and struggles on the 15th. He needs a little help. Bottom line is, I say, are you crazy? <laughs> aren't, you, aren't you concerned that you're going to get hurt or that, you, that you'll be tired? And he just sort of shrugs. He says, look, man, what am I doing? I'm just playing golf for five hours. It's not that big a deal. Um, he's a beast. He has a clear mind. 
That's the other important thing. He doesn't complicate the game, keeps it very simple, has a repeatable, reliable golf swing. Uh, and he likes the heat, as, as is the case with any clutch athlete, great athlete. They like the moment. And he's conscious of who he is and what he wants to be. I asked him, I said, do you want to be a great? You know, it's kind of a simple question. A lot of guys say, yeah, I'd like to be. He says, I absolutely want to be one of the greats. I said, well, what, what's the defining characteristic, as you see it, of great athletes? And he didn't hesitate. He said, it's 99% it's between your ears. He said, Brady has it, LeBron has it, Tiger has it. He's aware. And, you know, you, this isn't a fluke, people. Yeah, no, <laughs> he's, he's, he's unbelievable. Real. And, Rich, he's is real. that why – do you think it's between the ears is why it's gone sideways here for McElroy? I mean, he's one. I'm talking Absolute, about the – I'm yeah. talking about one, one, on the majors. 100%. Is it all between the ears for McElroy? I, I, w- I would say yes. I, I would say uh, un- unquestionably. There's no hesitation. To, yeah, it, and that's strange to say because let, let's step back for a second. He is by any by any measure enormously successful as a 30 year old. Look at it this way: um, any, if, if you were a doctor right, and you were one of the three best heart surgeons in the world, and you were worth 200 million, I don't know what he's worth, 100, 150 million, say, and you flew privately and you had three homes, you your buddies would say about you, you're knocking it out of the yeah, my buddy Rory's killing it, no he's doubt, the best in the world, right? But in, but in sports and in golf, the, the whole world is a Jewish mother. Everybody's disappointed. And I say that, and I know, because I'm Jewish. <laughs> you know, no, you've never, you've never, you haven't done enough. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, so uh, I'm, I'm kidding there. Uh, so, so he's had, by, by most reasonable measures, a good year. He won the Players. That's one of the five biggest events. And he won uh, the Canadian Open, shot 61 the final round. Uh, but, but the image that I have of McElroy is running his fingers through his hair when the last putts dropped Sunday in Memphis uh, alongside Kepka. He was clearly frustrated after just not having been competitive alongside Brooks. And so he, he just is kind of unable to summon his best stuff in the biggest spots. And I think day one at the Open at Port Rush was the most memorable example. If you think about it, that may have been the single most disappointing day of 2019 for, for Rory, I, w- I would guess, and for, for the fans who were hoping for that feel-good story of the favorite son coming home to Northern Ireland. But then the very next day, Friday, may have been the second most emotional and riveting day of, of the year behind Tiger at Augusta on Sunday. You know, I, he, he, he can be baffling and brilliant. In, in inside of two days. Those two days at, at Port Rush were kind of Rory in a nutshell. Baffling on one day, brilliant on the next. I mean, a guy like him, you, you can't shoot 79. He's just no, he talented. He's too talented. So, yes, I think he gets in his own way. The expectations weigh on him. He wrestles with what other people think he should be doing. He's a very sort of thoughtful guy. But, but I think in, in sport and in golf especially because it's a solo exercise, uh, you, you can be too thoughtful and you, or you can get wrapped up and you can, you, you can get strangled in your own thoughts. So Kepka and Dustin Johnson are kind of the you know, sort of big jock golfers who don't overcomplicate it. They don't appear to. Uh, and so, yeah, I think you make a good point. 
Golf Channel's Rich Lerner. Uh, hey, Rich, we appreciate the time this morning. We really do. And looking forward to all the coverage over the course of uh, the next four days out the Northern Trust as the FedEx Cup playoffs get going. We appreciate it. I, get, I give you guys credit. That's the first interview I've done in quite some time where I did not get asked about Tiger at length. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't have so much time. you got to ask about Kepka. I know, I and, I, and, yeah, Kepka. Yeah. Uh, Tiger's been a little... I would say the last thing about Tiger, that whatever happens or has not happened, it's been a success because he won the Masters. No question. He's had a great year. You won a major for him, and you get back in. uh, That's a a big-time year. Hey, Rich, we're looking forward to watching it this weekend, uh, and we'll chat again real soon, all right? I appreciate it anytime, guys. Thank you. You got it. That's Golf Channel's Rich Lerner. Check out uh, all of Golf Channel's live tournament coverage. Thursday through Sunday, alongside Nick Faldo, Northern Trust, the kickoff of the FedEx Cup playoffs at Liberty National Club out in Jersey City, New Jersey. It is Mark Malusis and Andrew Bogish, Taz of the Moose here on this uh, Wednesday morning. So it goes from what, 125 to 70, and then 70 down to 30. And I knew it next was. Next three weeks. I knew the calendar change. I didn't realize that they cut a week off. There used to be four events. And now it's three weeks. Yeah. So it's New York, Chicago, Atlanta. And it's three straight weeks, which makes picking Tiger tough. Yeah, it does. You're right about that. Not that you're you right. might have, you probably wouldn't anyway, based on recent performance, but physically three weeks in a row is going to be tough for him. We come back. We got the undercard for you next, CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. It's Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. It's Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. CBS Sports Radio's toll-free line brought to you by Geico. Great news. Quick way you can save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com. And in 15 minutes, you can save 15% or more on your car insurance. Time right now to answer our Ask the Pros question of the day brought to you by O'Reilly Auto Parts. Today's question is from Henry in Atlanta. Do you think Vince Carter deserves the send-off treatment like D-Wade and Dirk? I mean, no. I, I don't personally. Do you? Bogish? Uh, I kind of don't think anyone does. I like mean, D-Wade and Dirk? They're a little cheesy, although I did like uh, D-Wade like, picking an opponent every game and doing a jersey swap, but I don't need, like, funny rocking chairs and weird, you know, nominal gifts to these guys. Like, I, I, I like knowing that they're leaving so I can watch them at the end and experience it and enjoy it one more time, but, like, I don't need... What about the no exchanging of jerseys, none of that? You don't want to see any of that? Uh, you can do that. But, okay. like, I don't think, like, you know, who gave... It was clever, but, like, it kind of ended all of it because every other gift pales in comparison. I think it was the Rays that gave Rivera, like, a rocking chair of broken bats, like, theoretically from his cutter. Yes. Like, that like that wins. You uh, no, I think it was the Twins. Was it the that. Twins? It Either way, twins. like, that that ended all that debate. Like, that was the perfect gift where we move on. No need to try and top that. Like, say your goodbyes, quick little video before the game if you want. But I don't need cheesy gifts in every different NBA city. Uh, don't forget, you can submit a question by going to cbssportsradio.com slash askthepros. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all your car care needs. Can guarantee low prices, excellent customer service. At O'Reilly Auto Parts, better parts, better prices every day. Quickly, undercard, here we go. Taz and the Moose present the undercard. The stories from today's rundown that we haven't talked about on the show. All right, Mike, quick, what do we got? All right, we've talked about reboots a bunch on this show. Now there's going to be one, and I'm surprised it took this long, for Home Alone. Your thoughts on reboot, rebooting Home Alone? Yeah, no. No, I, I think that's, you know, no. I, I don't want to see Caddyshack get rebooted. I don't want to see Jaws get rebooted. I don't want to see 
Uh, I certainly don't want to see Home Alone get rebooted. No. The only movies that should get rebooted are ones that relied on, like, high-tech stuff, like CGI that didn't exist back in the day. If That's you wanna, a good point. If you want to give me, like, a... Like, Jaws is too good to remake, but if you could maybe make a better shark, like, I, that I can understand, but there's no need to make Home Alone again. Just make a new movie. Agreed. I, I don't disagree with you. Plus, the problem is you won't get... Like, if you bring up Jaws, like, Robert Shaw... That's, That's the stuff you You're can't You're never going right. to find somebody that can play him, that role, that well. Bogus, good job this morning, man. Fun show. Same to you, Moose. We'll yeah. do it tomorrow, I guess. Uh, Mike. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, we, we, well, we are going to be here tomorrow, some, right? Some of us, yeah. Right, we will be here tomorrow. Thanks, guys, across the class. Have yourself a wonderful Wednesday, everybody. Peace. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.